Welcome to a bonus edition of the Talent Economy Podcast, where we will hear firsthand from families, educators, executives, and more about their experiences in embracing remote work in their daily lives. Everyone's in this together right now, and it's, it's a weird spot to be in. We still need to hire people. We still need to bring folks in. And how do we do that when we can't actually use our traditional channels? Dad's on a call, and friend are here, we can't go upstairs. A lot of companies have face-to-face video cameras. We don't have a lot of that, so it becomes a little more challenging working in a virtual environment. In many ways, it feels like we blinked, and suddenly the future of work is now. What happens when people have to suddenly work virtually? How quickly can they adapt? And what is the long-term impact on the way they work and live? These stories will help us understand how the current environment will create a new normal in the way we get work done. My name is Mark. I'm a first grade teacher in an independent school. And I have two children that are also a first grader and a pre-kindergarten that's five years old. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. There's two things that when we were talking earlier that are really interesting to me. the, The first thing is, in education, given what's going on, how school districts or teachers are thinking about online or remote teaching, like at the elementary school level. And the second thing is a story that you were telling me about parent teacher conferences. So tell me your experience over the past couple of weeks in what you're seeing in education as people grapple with the fact that this may take a little longer. I'm fortunate being in an independent school where you have parents that are available and that are working from home and are financially stable. But you think about those other communities that the inequities that they don't have that and kids are wanting to come to school to be fed. And you think about that as like, wait, that's it. And then you think about, well, are they going to be able to continue with their reading? Are they going to be able to continue with this? And you're like, does that matter (laughs) right now? Does it really matter? Or does it matter that that a kid just is is safe? And I think that's number one thing when you look at schools is you want to have that safe environment that kids can enjoy and blossom and learn. And it's not about academics a lot of times. It's just about growing as a child, growing as an individual, and, and just growing as a human. What kind of technology do you have in the classroom? So we use iPads. We use a couple different programs. We use uh, Seesaw. We'll have kids interact with Kittle to do research. We also will do, we have like Apple Classroom. Sometimes it it can be a benefit. Sometimes I think kids will like, they want to change their background. And it's like, oh, I'm going to change my background here. So they're more worried about changing the background. And it's all, you think about the content and the area of what they can do. What's really being nice now is with technology, kids are able to do those things that we don't have to teach like how to minimize a screen or something like that. You have first graders that can do that now where you're trying to teach like, oh, here, open this, do this, do this. And everything now is like so intuitive to these kids. Whereas teaching eight, 10 years ago where you brought a laptop or you brought something out, it was like, okay. Foreign piece of technology. Oh yeah, foreign piece of technology. We're going to do this word. We're going to open. So everyone go to open. Everyone go and have, and you were like running around the classroom trying to go here to here to here. And now you can kind of just hand this to the kids and in first grade, and they, they know how to use some of the programs, and they know how to use them as a benefit to their education. Now that they're at home and with their families, if their families have computers and internet connection, are they able to log into those programs and continue some sort of structured learning and, and things that are familiar? Or are, they, are they locked into the classroom experience? Most of our stuff that we do would be classroom experience. It's not like, hey, this app is great or this program is great. 
my children at home, they will use a couple programs that somewhat tied to the curriculum and they'll do extra things in math. It can be beneficial, but it can get off track to what's being taught in the classroom. And kids can be at different levels and different places. Sometimes they're like, well, I already did that. I already know how to do that. I've done that in Dreambox. And Dreambox can be great. But now you've got a class that's all in different places. But you have classes, different places. And then they're like, well, I've done this. I already know this. And you're really just trying to figure out, I mean, concepts. And sometimes kids are like, well, I went to the next level. I've gone to the next level. And it's like, what's the next level mean? (laughs) I mean, level of what? (laughs) What has been a couple of the major challenges over the past week as you've gone from in-class instruction to now being suddenly remote, still caring about your students, still caring about their learning, and now trying to, to look at the landscape and figure things out? I think it's the stress of the other families. I think it's the stress of, of everyone. Everyone's in this together right now, and it's, it's a weird spot to be in. And I think some people are stuck on academics, and it's like, wait, hold on a minute. Why is that a big deal right now? Why is that so important? Why do we have to kind of continue push on because this is the time of the year where they're in school, and we have to just push on because of that? And I think about sometimes I've been like, oh, yeah, well, we can continue on with this and continue on with that. And other times I'm like thinking this is the great chance of kids being bored. And I think you and I have had that conversation sometimes of like, be bored, have these kids be bored. We structure their lives so much. And now it's like even those other things that are outside of school, swim lessons, doing all those other things aren't going to be there right now. And maybe it's time for us as adults to also reflect on that and just kind of think to ourselves like, this is an opportunity here to maybe change a lifestyle, maybe change things that us as a family might enjoy and giving families that opportunity. I've talked to like during this week with uh, conferences that I've had. I think a lot of this thing that with online learning or distance learning, whatever you want to call it is, how is your family going to interact with this? And is this going to be an added stress to your family or is it going to be something that's going to relieve stress? And I think that's what's important is knowing that once I think our duty is educators and as a school is to provide that opportunity. But I think it's also the family's opportunity for us to say, hey, it's okay if you don't. We understand. One of the things, if my mom is listening, I'll tell you that was stressful for our family was my mom going to parent-teacher conferences. And it wasn't because she had to drive there. It was because maybe I misbehaved in school or something like that. But you were telling me a story about how you've changed the way you've done parent-teacher conferences and had a really interesting insight. So What has changed in the way you're doing parent-teacher conferences today? Well, this week was first time where we've done actually teleconferences, and we actually did them on Zoom. And I was like, I don't want to do it on the phone. I hate talking on the phone. I don't talk on the phone. I don't want to do it. And I was like, and then it was like, well, now we're going to do it on teleconferencing. I'm like, oh my gosh, now they got to look at me and I'm talking on the (laughs) phone. I'm like, this is even worse. I was very anxious about it, and I have a really good relationship, I feel, with with my parents. We have a school where the kids are able to be picked up and dropped off by their parents, and we kind of have those limited interactions in between. We stay on the same page and most of the time, And but to, we had our uh, teleconferences the last two days, and to my surprise, was it was actually more personable having them away in their comfort area and having me in my comfort area. And it was almost like sometimes when they come into the classroom, it's like they're coming into my zone, but I got to go to their zone. And we kind of had that in-between area of comfort. It was strange and it's odd, but 
But then also I think to myself is like, we all had, we both had empathy for each other in the situation of one, what are you going through now? What are the, your families going through? And also knowing myself that I have a first grade student too, and, and teaching first grade. And you kind of had that built in empathy uh, of what's going on now. Let's say we a couple months down the road, we're going back to the classroom and you have parent teacher conferences. Would you keep allowing people to go remote? Would you oh, offer that as an option? Yeah. I mean, definitely. I've, it was awesome because we had almost every single time we had both parents and they were both available. Some would actually count, call in remote from two different sites and just to have them both there and connected and parents not having to take time off work because usually when we have our parent teacher conferences, it's nine to five and people work nine to five and them to take 20 minutes out of their day. Yes, they can do for them to take two hours out of the day. They're taking time off work and everyone was able to do it. My parents have that opportunity and you didn't have to do anything else or have like the technology to do it. It was seemed like it was just available and we had no problem with it. Brought to you by zoom.com <laughs> or zoom.us, I think. It was interesting that you talked about your anxiety of, of being on camera, even though you have this relationship with these parents that you see all of the time, you, you sort of let them in your home. I think with education, you're, one thing I've always seen is it always changes every single year. Every single year, it's a different sort of student population you're dealing with, different sort of technologies you're dealing with, different everything. And I think that's one reason why I love education is you're always changing your job. But then again, changing this job to such an extreme, it really is an extreme. We had an analogy where someone said, okay, so would you take a firefighter or someone that moves stuff, like say a mover? A mover is great. They're really strong. They can do stuff. They can do this there. So let's just make them a firefighter because they, they're, they're strong. They can do that. Why not? And you have like a teacher, you're like, well, they, they can teach. But you go put them in a different environment. It takes different skills. It takes different approaches. And Yeah. I mean, you're losing all those things. And what I've said so far is you can't replicate the classroom. Maybe it will be fine. Maybe it will be something that will surprise me. I don't know. Or maybe you learn some things that, hey, you know, 10 or 15% of what I used to do is changed or is augmented by a, a new way of doing things. So Yeah. And I think like with teaching and stuff, you're always reflecting on your practice. And and maybe this will reflect on my practice when the kids come back and thinking to yourself, well, what's been, what was successful there? How can I tailor that to, to my classroom? Um, just different things. So I think it's an opportunity. I think you have to look at it as an opportunity to do that and, and maybe reflect on it and I had a colleague saying that she was saying she wants to write down those different things that like, okay, how can I see this as glass half full? And, and what am I going to get from this? Not like, oh, I have to do this or oh, I have to do that. But then again, it's like you have your own families too. And what are the stresses that you have right now that you need to take care of and, and do those at home and, and be a relief for your spouse and be a relief to your kids and be there for your kids and, because you're, you're in this too. It's not like, oh, well, we're over here and we don't have to deal with it. And Thank you so much for, for taking the time. One of the things I do want to do is follow up in the future and see what are the things that you carried with you? What are the things that fell by the wayside? And just staying in contact with people, keeping that real life contact alive. So thanks so much for, yeah. for taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm your host, Paul Estes. Thank you for listening to this bonus edition of the Talent Economy Podcast exploring real stories from real people during this time of unprecedented change. 
You can hear more insights by subscribing to our podcast or checking out the website, staffing.com, where you can sign up for the weekly newsletter. If you or someone you know would like to share their remote work story, please send me an email at editor at staffing.com. We want to hear from you. 